Some of you may remember me saying a few weeks ago during my very first sermon here at Trinity that I am an Old Testament fan. And it's true, my heart finds a home in the stories and the characters that I find there. I mentioned in my first Facebook devotion about two weeks ago that my dad and his side of the family is Jewish. So the Old Testament is something that I share spiritually with them. These scriptures, these stories uniquely anchor me to both who I am as a Gertz, that's my maiden name, and as a Christian. But growing up, I steered clear of the Old Testament scriptures like many of you might as well because I had a hard time reconciling the God that I found there and the God that I had come to know through the person of Christ. So in seminary, I made it my goal to spend as much of my free class electives and what little free time I had steeped in all things Old Testament so I could better understand who I was and who God was. And you know what I found? I found evidence of God's love and grace and mercy going before, guiding, and supporting. Even back then, the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It was just portrayed in a different way than what I had expected or wanted. Sometimes, I find that you have to sift through the humanness of the text to catch a glimpse of the divine. That's part of the problem with Hosea, the scripture that we will read from in just a few moments. We often miss the minor prophets like him because they are so short and you just kind of flip through them to get to the New Testament. Uh, they are hard to miss. And because they're tough to understand, they're tough to decipher. And my friends, let me tell you, Hosea is no different. In fact, for me, he is one of the hardest prophets for me to dive into because it's one big metaphor. And quite honestly, it's a bit problematic. Um, and of a metaphor. But in the poem we are about to read together, we catch a rare glimpse into the very heart of God. As I read this beautiful piece of Hebrew poetry, I invite you to pay attention to your emotions. What are you feeling? What emotion do you hear within the text? And then after I read it, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to invite you uh, to say aloud, if you feel comfortable, what emotion you feel. So really pay attention to what your soul is feeling. And if you're joining us online, I invite you to share as well. If you have an emotion that you're feeling, please put it in the comments. We would love to hear for you, from you. And uh, if you do so, Journey will share when we all share together. Thanks, Journey. <laughs> so, 
Hear these words, my friends, from the prophet Hosea, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the balls and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to turn to me. The sword rages in their cities, it consumes their oracle priests, and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in with wrath. They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes. My friends, this is the word of God given to us as the children of God, and we say, thanks be to God. So what emotion did you feel, friends? Yes, frustration. frustration. That's a good one, frustration. Absolutely. And resolve. resolve, yes, Absolutely. Any others? Hope. There's some hope in there. Yes. Yes. A newborn. Yeah. It's moving stuff, isn't it? Right? And, y'all, that's from the Old Testament, and from Hosea, no less. But seriously, this is a moving piece of poetry because we can imagine how God might be feeling. If you have had kids or have loved some as your own, you know a bit of what this feels like. For me, it's the difference between the ages of Ansel my four-month-old, and Christian, my now three-year-old. 
And I hope you guys don't get tired of me telling stories about my children, but they're my only source of entertainment right now as I am still learning Gainesville and making new friends. Uh, so I can hold Ansel and I can lift him up to my cheek while simultaneous, he simultaneously throws up all in my hair. But then all he has to do is coo or smile that cute little baby toothless smile and all's forgiven because that's what babies do. Yep, and your dog Kipper? Same. Right, all it takes, you know, your dogs too, your puppies, when they do something that you don't really want them to do, and then they look up at you with those eyes, and they wag their tail, all's forgiven. <laughs> but then there's Christian, my now three-year-old, and last night as I was putting him to bed, he asked to stay up, and I said, no. Mommy needs to write her sermon. And he said, Mommy, I can help you write your sermon. And I said, oh, you will. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to take that as a privilege and a permission to use this next story. Because just about 30 minutes earlier, after I had laid Ansel, the baby, down for bed, I turned to Christian and I said, your turn, it's time to sit on the potty. And he screamed, no, and started running around the house. And if you have ever been to the Flux house, it's beautiful, but they have so many rooms and I still get lost in all of the rooms. So I am chasing my child down and I was literally thinking, and honestly, I might have said something to the effect of, boy, I taught you how to walk, and now you're going to run from me? Nice try. I am coming to get you. I share these stories knowing that I will look back on these days and, and these moments and wish for them again. I know that there will be a day where my heart will ache from disappointment or sadness or I will burn with anger at a choice that they will make because they're human. And I will say along with God, but it was I who taught them to walk. It was I who led them with bands of love. It was I who bent down to feed them. It was I. And yet... Yes, it's so easy to picture ourselves in God's shoes. It's easy to point fingers at Israel and say, oh, they're at it again. But you know what's harder? Putting ourselves into Israel's shoes. You see, Hosea was prophesying in the northern kingdom of Israel after the united kingdom of Israel split. If I remember my history correctly, he was prophesying at the same time as Isaiah, who was a pro 
prophesying in the southern kingdom of Judah. At around this time, the world superpower of Assyria was wreaking havoc and conquering the land and conquering country after country, forcing conquered peoples to worship their gods and serve their needs. But they offered food security and protection in a way that a small, struggling nation like Israel just could not. So northern Israel partnered with the king of Assyria, and they went back to a life very similar to the one that they had led in Egypt, a life of slavery, a life of worshiping a god they did not know or did not believe in. And God said, but it was I who taught them to walk. It was I who led them with bands of love. It was I who bent down to feed them with manna. It was I. And yet, in exchange for perceived safety and security, Israel turned and ran from the God who freed them. The God who guided them, who fed them, who protected them, and who loved them unconditionally. I get it. Because I've been there. And I bet you have too. I bet that each and every one of us in this room can think of a time where we chose an easier path. The path of comfort and perceived safety and protection over and above the harder, better path. And if you're like me, the farther we travel down that path of perceived protection, the more we try to make the choices on our own, the further we feel from ourselves, the further we feel from the God who loves us. Because we get so caught up in what the world says is right and what the world says is good and true, we lose sight of the God who is right, who is good, who is true, the God who is trying to lead us into that goodness as well. So we stumble and fall and make choices that hurt ourselves, hurt others, and hurt God, like a child does to their parents sometimes. It can be a never-ending cycle, one that goes on and on and on, and we, like the Israelites, wonder, will it ever end? Does God even care about us anymore? Well, friends, through the words of Hosea, we hear God say, how can I give you up? How can I give you up? It's not the answer that we would expect to hear from the God of the Old Testament, right? We expect wrath, we expect anger, we expect punishment, but we don't expect this. We don't expect love. 
And God says, how can I give you up? You are my children. I love you, even now. My friends, that's grace. In fact, that's poetically prevenient grace. It's the grace that God is offering to us even when we do not want it or cannot see it. It's the grace that is always chasing after us even as we are actively turning and running from the one who has loved us unconditionally from the very beginning. It's the grace that reminds us that there is nothing, not death, not life, rulers or crazy politics, things present or things that are still to come. There is literally nothing in all of creation that will be able to separate us from the love of God. It's the grace that says, cast all of your cares, all of your worries, all of your stress, and your heartbreak. Cast whatever is weighing you down. Cast whatever is preventing you from living an abundant life upon the Lord. Because the Lord cares about us. How can I give you up? God cries to us right now to the, from the depths of God's own heart. How can I give you up? I don't know where each of you find yourselves on your faith journey. I don't know where you have been or in what direction you are heading on this path, but I do know this, that God's grace is poetically provenient, going before us, reaching out, to guide us toward where God would have us to go, toward God's presence, coming behind us when we have lost our way, calling us back home, reaching out when we least expect it and definitely don't deserve it. So the question that remains for us today in this beautiful place, gathered together as God's people, is how will we respond? How will we respond? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we are thank you, and we thank you that your grace always goes before us. When we least expect it, God, your grace shows up. Your love shows up. And God, we ask that you would open our eyes to see where you would have us to go, to open our hearts back to you so that you can do with us what you will do. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.